So welcome back to Thrive, your agency resource. This week, we're diving into business development, but without having to reinvent the wheel. Always a favorite topic for agency leaders. And today, my guest is Dan Englander, founder of Sales Schema, a New York-based consultancy that helps agencies increase deal flow and win ideal clients. That's the name of the game, right? So Dan, welcome to the show. I'm really, really uh, excited for you to be here today. Thank you. Thanks for having me on, Kelly. I appreciate it. So um, the last time we spoke, we kind of had this mind meld of the fact that agencies are getting hit over the head with, you know, being full service versus being specialized in some way, shape or form. So what's the sort of uh, what you call the paralysis by analysis that agency leaders are struggling with as far as how the industry is changing so rapidly almost around them? Yeah, it's, it's a really good question, and I think it's interesting, and this is kind of getting into bigger macro conceptual stuff, but I think the whole, the whole world, in, in a way, is moving towards this idea of a long tail and specialization, not necessarily on an individual level, but on a company level, where you have a freelance economy, you have the internet, you have access to a lot more talent all throughout the world, um, the world's becoming flatter and all that, so the whole world's <laughs> moving in that direction. And uh, in agencies, you know, and, and that's not old news. That's obviously happened since the the advent of the internet. But you know, it's it's one of those things where um, the future is here. It's just not evenly distributed, and agencies are now are now catching up to that. So you know, to, to answer your your question, I think that it's something that agencies are getting hip to now, and they're getting hit over the head with the idea of specialize, specialize, specialize. Um, and it's something that is a process. You know, it's not like you flip a switch and you just focus on one industry. Right. Um, it's it's going to take focusing on maybe a few, and then having this is all from Drew McClellan, who I love. It's talked a lot about this. So I don't want to steal his his. Yeah, um, I love him too. So that's okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But he talks about the idea of connective tissue. So you might have a few different industries that have things in common. You might have a big industry where there's lots of uh, a few niches within that, like medical might connect with medical technology or something to that effect. And then you might have a junk drawer for a while where you keep old clients that don't fit the bill. And then eventually, you know, you might start to take not take that business anymore and phase it out over time. So I think that's kind of the best way to approach it. Right, right. And in terms of mindset, right, why do you think many agencies feel like they don't have the right to actually go out and proactively develop new business and new relationships? Yeah, it's a good question and there's not always one answer for it. Um, but I think that it's just how they've, they've done business in the past and that's how it's been going for, for 30 years, you know, where you'd have a real kind of order, order taking based mindset where, you know, you have an RFP, you have a proposal and you have a certain set of specs and you're kind of talking to people when they're solution aware as opposed to when they're problem aware because that's how the whole dynamic was set up that's how the, the infrastructure was set up they put out an rfp you, you'd fill out the rfp and then you do it and even if even a newer agency that might not like rfps is still falling into that paradigm a lot they're just getting their business um through referrals and that sort of thing so that's that's changing now because because of the internet and all the stuff that everyone's you know all that cliche stuff um, you know, companies, bigger, bigger brands are doing business, not necessarily through people they know in their personal networks, although that's still important. Right. Um, they're doing it through people that are knocking on their doors or through content they're reading or the ads they're seeing or, or whatever it may be. So that means that the, the agencies that are getting to those clients at a problem aware stage, but not necessarily solution aware stage, um, are winning. But to answer your question, I think it's hard just because it's new, you know, anything new that's um, requires a different process. That requires getting rejected, frankly, knocking on doors where people might not be ready to talk to you all the time. Right, and rejection is scary, yeah. right? Yeah. Like that comes back down to a, a human uh, emotion. 
Yeah, exactly. And, and I always talk about this, but I think when, you know, a lot of our clients um, in the agency world, they're monitoring their dashboards for their clients all the time. So they're seeing whatever Facebook media performance went up or down and they're, they're not, they're sober about it. They're not getting yeah. emotionally affected because it's just, you know, it's digits on a screen. But the same dynamic happens in, in the sales process, um, but the difference is there's humans involved, there's emotions, but essentially it's the same thing. It's just a, you know, a different, different sets of numbers, different context a little bit. But um, so that, that's a lot of it is just having to go through the process and keep, and keep yourself stable regardless of whether you're getting, having good or bad days and whatnot. So. Right, right. so sales schema is basically what you call a fractional new business team, right? Yeah. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? And then, then I have another question for you. Yeah, of course. So, so essentially, you know, what we're doing as a team is, is going out to the market for our clients to get them really good first dates. Um, it's going to be hard to, to outsource the process of selling and maintaining the complexities of a, of a sales process for, you know, a five to eight figure agency engagement. Um, but we're really good at getting our clients first dates. And what we found and, you know, the main things that we're, we do differently is that a lot of this stuff is not about over automation. A lot of it is, is actually having, you know, the team and the resources to do this on a, a kind of on a, a bespoke or semi bespoke basis. So that's kind of what we're giving to our clients. And a lot of the times, you know, and I don't want to talk too much about us or run on too long, but when, a, when an agency is thinking about building sales support for themselves in house, um, they're not thinking about how much time and labor and, and knowledge it takes to do that. And it's essentially three different jobs. It's part creative, it's part art, it's part technical. And that's kind of what we're giving to our clients on a more flexible basis than they right. would build house basically. Right. But, but to that end, um, can you actually share a couple of those foundational tactics that you found most effective with agencies? Yeah, it's a good question. And I wish there was like one golden tactic for everybody, uh, but there just isn't, you know, there, there's a lot of, it's essentially finding the right words to send to the right people. Um, <laughs> That's a really, really good way to put it. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's that simple. I might steal that. <laughs> it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be harder than that. That's really what it is. And, and the, the whole goal is to get consistency in the pipeline. So there's as many ideal conversations happening, regardless if somebody's ready to buy right now or later. But I do want to get as tactical as I possibly can and not have this be nebulous. So the main thing, you know, that we're starting with to make this work, you know, because the most common question we get is what are you guys doing differently to get a busy CMO and a mid to large company to put up their hand? And the first thing is, is back to that, that beating a dead horse is, is specialization. You know, if, if we come in and we're the agnostic agency for everybody, that means it's, it's not going to work so well. But if we can come in and, you know, we're doing it typically as our clients. So there's not like a middleman company like Sales Schema where we're doing it as them. Even if people don't hire us and they want to do this in-house, it's the same deal. You might have somebody on your team managing your, your platform. So, you know, if you if you are running it through LinkedIn and let's say you're going after CPG for a given month, you're not agnostic agency. You are the CPG or that person in the agency is the CPG specialist gurus are, whatever title you want to give. You have case studies. It's really tangible. And then, you know, a lot of it honestly is, is just more of that bespoke sort of thinking. So on a monthly basis, we might know that our clients are, are going to be attending a trade show, or even if they're not, there's a big trade show happening in their space. You know, if it's the CBG or tech trade show, we're doing outreach to companies that know about that and the zeitgeist, you know, before, during, and after. So it just comes in with a lot more familiarity. Um, and then beyond that, you know, it's, it's that consistency. A lot of this is kind of counterintuitive. It's, you know, sometimes it's an exercise in restraint because a lot of the times, like there's all these, digital marketing things saying set up this automation, set up that automation, hit people with a million messages. And sometimes it's about saying, okay, we've got connected over here. We're going to wait a bit. We're going to send some messages later. 
we're going to have somebody to set up the appointment so that our the CEO of the agency is not the one doing that because that a it doesn't look good right. and then b it's a huge time suck. So that so that's that's some examples of some of the tactics we've done. Yeah. And I want to highlight two things that you you talked about. Um, when we say specialization, I think we could easily replace that word with relevance, right? So specialization in terms of um, an industry category or a vertical or a small niche, that could be a specialization, but it's also about when you translate that specialization into the messaging, it's really the relevance factor of when you go out to the ideal prospect, how you're, you're translating that specialization or that core expertise or deep expertise as David C. Baker might call it, um, how you're translating that to that prospect, right? To make right. sure that you make yourself uh, known as the go-to firm or this one that is the expert in the, in the industry or that is irreplaceable when put up against other Me Too agencies who are generalists. So right. I think that's really what we're talking about. Here's relevance. Yeah, exactly. And the the thing that we see is that most of our clients and many of the agencies that we do research on and talk to already have that built up. They're just not cashing in on it. Mm -hmm. You know, they have amazing case studies. They have sometimes 30 years of experience, but they just haven't either put in put in the, the time or the effort or the bandwidth to actually to actually do it. And I think a lot of it is analysis paralysis because there's a lot of like tech software tinkering and you know lots of products um lots of the idea that you have to get everything perfect first there's a there's a great sketch on the 70s snl called the anal routine of carpenter and he would start working on like a birdhouse but he would have to stop and clean up the sawdust every five seconds so nothing got done i think there's a lot of yeah i like that i might actually find that on youtube and and post a post a link to it in the show notes it's great that's awesome um so I think, you know, basically from both of our experiences, many agencies kind of try something from a biz dev standpoint. They go through this honeymoon phase of like, ooh, I got, you know, a pretty good open rate or a couple people click through to my case studies or uh, maybe I got one or two responses. They get a few clients potentially out of that initiative and then they don't see any consistent results after that, probably because they haven't put in a consistent effort, right? And then they just revert back to relying on referrals and going after RFPs and all these things. So can you talk a little bit about what you've seen in that regard? Because that's definitely been my experience. Yeah, we see the exact same thing. And, and you know, I, I don't sugarcoat anything. Like it's going to be a different sales process talking to somebody that doesn't know you at all that's coming in cold yeah. as opposed to somebody that's being referred to you warm and has an immediate solution-based need in mind and you're filling in the blanks a little bit um, to, to varying degrees. So it's going to be a different process. But, you know, what's the alternative? Like there's only – there's going to – if you can survive and then get to your growth goals on just referrals and inbound alone, like by all means, you feel confident about that, there's no reason to do outreach. But that's pretty rare these days. There's, yes. there's just there's not enough of that, and people are and, and basically your competitors are going to eat your lunch because the agencies that are getting to those people when they're problem aware are going to take their business before they get to you, and that's that's a big reason. You know, we talked to people that what's working yesterday is not working anymore. Um, but but if I'm uh, sorry if I lost touch with your question, but I think the reason that you know um, that people are reverting back is because they need to modify their sales process for for outreach for somebody that's cold and so you know they're getting in they're getting in people they have a nice conversation with them but then there's just sort of this blank air you know after they're done it's like where do we go from here so there's not going to be you know i'm not going to give like a specific answer for everybody but it takes being able to proactively get them involved in your process because if they're taking the call with you 
there's something there. These people are too busy to have the call otherwise. Yeah, they're curious. They want to learn more, but there's usually a problem. Um, otherwise, they're not going to take the call. Right. So, you know, in the past, we've had clients do really well with audits. That's what we do with our company. Um, it, it could be it could be something else. It could be a test project. It just depends on your, your domain. Um, but it takes having a specific process that people go through to get in the door and get started with you that's not onerous and not too hard. Right, right. And for the people who, let's say, you do outreach with and they don't, uh, necessarily jump on the phone. Uh, certainly they're not going to do that maybe after the first interaction, but let's say that they do click through something that you send them through in mail, or once you've connected on LinkedIn or you send a warm email, whatever the case may be, they click through and then you see that they've clicked through because you're tracking that. What would you suggest to do next? Do you maybe put them into, uh, some kind of email, thread? Do you send them thought leadership articles? Do you just stay in touch on a personal level just to make sure that they know that you're engaged and you're more on the soft sell side and not so aggressive? Like, how would you deal with a situation like that? Yeah, it's a good question. And I wish I had had a more specific answer as usual. You know, there's there's differences for different situations. I think the first thing is making sure that your your targeting is really good and that you have a good story to tell to that particular group that you're going after. Um, and, and assuming that's true, you know, if you have a good case study and it's really specific and they are like a great fit then there's no reason to delay a conversation. Like this is something that you're honestly kind of doing somebody a disservice by not building that relationship sooner rather than later. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't consider it aggressive. You know, if you have a great case study in CPG and you have the CMO of a growth stage beverage brand reading your stuff, that's somebody that is going to be benefited by talking to you now. You so know? are you so saying pick up the phone and just call them or? Call them. I mean, whatever, like the, the tactic can be anything, you know. Obviously, maybe don't go dropping into their office or holding up a boombox like QSAC and say anything. But, you know, aside from that, like it's 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 to their benefit to talk to you. So I think it's the shortest path to a conversation. And yeah. and that can be an exploratory thing that doesn't have to be hard selling them on anything. But if it's and if it's not a good fit or, you know, if, if it's somebody that's not uh, shouldn't be in your pipeline anyway, then they shouldn't be there anyway. You know, right. so that's kind of the mentality I have about yeah. it. Um, so as we start to wrap up, uh, what's the best single piece of advice that you could give agency owners as they're sort of considering their next steps, um, in terms of how to increase deal flow? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a resolve, you know, it's, it's figure out your, your long-term, not necessarily goal, but figure out your, your, this is cliche, but your why behind it, you know, and, and essentially it's, it's one of, it's one of, uh, three things it's, you know, building the agency to do compelling work and sustain yourselves and have a lifestyle. That's nothing wrong with that. There's building to eventually sell. And then there's building to take over the world and, and acquire. And I think it's figuring out what that is. Um, and then just kind of getting clarity and focus on things. And, and then from there, it's, um, and I, I guess it's not one thing I'm, I'm meandering now, but no, no, it's good. But, uh, but shipping, like just get something out the door, like start, start getting to work on it. Cause it's the biggest thing we run into is mindset problems, you know, where people, um, start and then stop. So I, I think getting getting the resolve first is the most important thing. Uh, and then the tactics and the people and the, the how, it will all kind of fall into place. Yeah, so ship something and iterate upon it, um, learn as you go, keep optimizing it. And it could actually be, you know, maybe leveraging your existing content just in a better way or in a way at all. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And, and honestly, like, I'm, I'm sort of giving a million pieces of starting advice, but um, 
get the relationship sooner rather than later. Because if you're properly specialized, there aren't that many people in your market. You can actually get to know a lot of them pretty fast. You know, yeah. so there's no reason to, to delay that. It's not. It's there's nothing wrong with you have permission. You're, no one's going to give you permission to have that relationship with your your buyer. Basically, you, you have already to, have that permission. You already, you already have it. Yeah. Right. Awesome. Well, this is all great, Dan. Thank you so much again for your time, and thanks for joining me on the show today. Thanks, Kelly. Appreciate it. This episode has been brought to you by Workamajig, the number one creative agency management software. Show notes at thrive.workamajig.com. Find out how your creative agency can become more productive and more profitable. Schedule your demo at thrive.workamajig.com.